and then we'll have a look at Mark's Gospel. Father, praise you that you are a God who speaks to us. And we pray, Father, that as you do that this morning, uh, you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Pray that you would convict us. Pray that you would cause us to turn to Jesus again. Pray, Father, for the children who've gone out. Pray that as they're taught from this passage, they would um, see their need of Christ and that they would know him uh, this day. So help us, Father, please, by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We've been doing a series in Mark's Gospel, and we've said that the first half of Mark is all about God's King. Okay, it's all about uh, King Jesus. And last week, we, we clearly saw this. Uh, so we saw this amazing authority of Jesus. Uh, there he was, um, having come on the public arena, and he's performing miraculous healings and casting out demons. And he had everyone coming to him, and everyone from one town in one evening uh, being free from all, all kinds of physical and spiritual oppression. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. At the end of chapter one, we, we, we see this, it kind of zooms in on this leper. And he's being made clean. And leprosy, we said, was far more than an illness. It, the leper was an outcast. So he's not fit for the presence of God. Uh, the, the people of God didn't want him. Uh, he was walking around. He would have been walking around torn clothes, shouting, unclean, unclean. He had nothing. And in an instant, full of compassion, Jesus made him clean. He made him acceptable to God's people. He made him acceptable in the sight of God. And as we step back, we're amazed at Jesus' authority, amazed at what he can do. But we're left with the question, is Jesus something that we really need? You see, as we we, we look at the scenes of chapter 1, is it not just the case that Jesus has given people a better way of life? You know, freedom from sickness, well, we all want that, but, but perhaps, you know, perhaps we need that. But, but there are plenty of medicines and doctors that will help us by. In terms of being accepted by, by God, I mean, wow, that sounds amazing, but do I need that? You know, plenty of other religions promise me a, a better life, to, to bring me to something better. In fact, you know, never mind religion, if, if I just work hard at my job, you know, I'm socially accepted. I, I, if I work hard in the eyes of my boss, I, I gain status. And surely, you know, that is more rewarding than some kind of pie-in-the-sky idea of being brought to God. Do I really need Jesus? Is he not just another means of giving me something better? I, I think we can hear this a lot uh, in, in, in churches like this. You know, Jesus is better Choose Jesus, he offers more. You know, so much so that he can become like a brand amongst others. You know, the idea, Tesco, every little helps. L'Oreal, because I'm worth it. Gillette, the best man I get. Jesus, a better life with God. And so, 
Is he something that I can just kind of choose off the shelf? Or is he more like oxygen? Where it's not a matter of choice, but it's a matter of survival. Do I really need him? Well, it's true. It's wonderfully true. Just as we sung this morning that Jesus gives us royal robes. He gives us this amazing status. He gives us life of God. That is what we're saved to. And that's the best thing we can have in this life. He, he does give us something that is better than anything else. But he also saves us from something. And it's far more serious than a lower status, a worse state of life. Far more serious than a situation that, that could just be better. We see this in a, in a great story. Four men who carry their paralysed friend to Jesus, probably in the hope of healing, but actually receive something very, very different. And as the story unfolds, it becomes progressively clear as to why we need, desperately need, Jesus. The interesting thing is that even though that's true, not everybody sees it. So this, this point in Mark's Gospel is a, is a massive shift. Uh, up until now, everything seems to have gone well. So Jesus appeared and people are coming to him and they're amazed at him and see, people seem to be on side with Jesus. But Mark chapter 2 sees the beginning of confrontation. Jesus confronts people here with the fact that he's not just an amazing king, but he's a king that we desperately need. And when that happens... When Jesus imposes himself on us in that way, not everybody likes it. And I guess the, the question for us this morning, as he confronts us, as he says to, to us, you need me, the question is how will we respond? There are three uh, separate scenes in this story. They teach something slightly different, uh, but they build on one another, and they reach the point where we see our need of Jesus himself. Three things, and they're all to do with forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin. That is why we need Jesus. Three things to see. Firstly, our greatest need is forgiveness of sin. Our greatest need is forgiveness of sin. So here we see Jesus a few days from the cleansing of the leper and uh, news is spreading about him and he, he comes to a place called Capernaum, verse 1. He comes to his home and people have heard about this amazing Jesus, amazing man that performs miracles so that we read in verse 2, so many people come to hear him that you know, such large numbers that there's no room left in the house, not even outside the door. You know, we have this picture uh, the famous Jesus inside a house uh, teaching and swarms of people crammed inside, like, you know, a bunch of sardines spilling over to the outside. It's like a celebrity has arrived. You know, people are squeezing their way just to catch a glimpse of this Jesus. And you kind of get this picture, and then amongst the masses, Mark zooms into this smaller group who are on their way to join the crowd. Four men, and they're carrying a paralyzed man. They're carrying because, verse 3, sorry, he's paralysed, he can't, he can't walk. And they are desperate to see him, absolutely desperate. Just have a look at what they do in verse 4. Just look at verse 4 with me. 
since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. See, they lowered this guy through the roof to get him to see Jesus. They're, they're desperate to see him. Now, I guess that comes as no surprise, does it? You know, this man is paralysed. You know, imagine how devastating that is. Not being able to walk, not being able to touch or feel or, or, or sit or get out of bed when you want to. You know, having to rely on somebody for everything. Je- I don't know if you know Jamie Erickson, a uh, fairly um, well-known uh, person, a Christian, paralysed at a young age in a diving accident. Uh, she described herself as, as having suicidal despair at her paralysis. You know, it was that bad. That simply not being able to walk or live. And so everything we've seen in chapter one, you know, when you, when you hear of this king who has supernatural authority, who, who heals people in an instant, it's no surprise that they're tearing open the roof to try and get this guy in. You know, if anyone can sort this guy out, Anyone who can mend this person's situation, it's Jesus, isn't it? From everything that we've seen. They're desperate to see him and they're expecting healing. And I guess so are we. I guess, you know, just as we saw in chapter one, what will happen? Jesus will heal the guy. He, with an instant, he'll, 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 with a word, this guy will be up and walking around. He'll be healed. We expect Jesus to say, son, get up and walk. And that's not what he says. Have a look at verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, he doesn't say, Get up and walk. But Jesus hasn't got this wrong, this isn't a mistake. Jesus is making the point that there is something more important. Even more important than the ability to walk. What does he say to him? Verse 5, what does he say? He says, son, your sins are forgiven. See, our greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. Now look, please know, that does not mean that Jesus doesn't care. So if you're suffering in some way this morning, if, if, and if there is a time in the future where you go through some kind of suffering, depression, cancer, disability, loss, yet awful things, let me tell you something, Jesus knows about that and he cares deeply about that. But what he says here shows that he cares far more about something much deeper. And what each of us needs more than anything, more than anything else, is forgiveness of our sins. I guess the question is whether we're suffering or not, do, do we know that that's what we most need? You know, if you're anything like me, you'll get up in the morning and a hundred things will race through your head. 
telling you what you need. So I get up and I, you know, I, I, I need to be at this place at this time. I need to have this ready for this person. I need to be successful at this. I need this person to get out my way so I can be successful at this. I need this pain to go away. I need this to happen. I need this to happen. I need, I need, I need. I need forgiveness. That's what Jesus says. More than anything, I need forgiveness for my sin. Now look, if that's something that's shocking to you, it is. It's something shocking for Jesus to say, it is. Not only because of our mindset, because of all the things that, that, that clutter this world and our hearts, but because only God can forgive sin. That's the next thing we see. Second thing we see this morning, that's why it's so shocking. Only God can forgive sin. So Jesus says these words. <clears throat> Mark tells us that there are a particular group reacting to what he's saying. Now they don't, they don't voice anything, they don't say anything. Instead, they think these things in their hearts. Have a look at verse 6. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves... Why does this fellow talk like that? He's, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, they're outraged. They're outraged at the fact that Jesus has just said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, who is this guy? Only God can say that. Only God can forgive sin. Now, the thing is, they're right. They're right in what they're thinking. See, we we saw this last week, didn't we? They're teachers of the law. They they know their Old Testament backwards. And the Old Testament very clearly tells us that only God can forgive sin. That's because what is also clear in the Bible is that however your sin comes out, whether you're angry at someone, or you don't love somebody as you're supposed to, or you take something, whatever it is, it's always against God. Ultimately, we always sin because we don't love God. So he is the offended one. And so only he can forgive you. It's like, um, think of it like this. <clears throat> I know. Um, yeah, Tao here comes and uh, decides she's had enough of me, so she beats me up before the service. Um, and here I am now with a couple of broken ribs and a black eye and blood here and blood there. And, uh, and the next thing, next thing that happens is, is Nick goes up to Tao and says, Tao, don't worry, I forgive you. That's outrageous. Because it's an outrageous thing for Nick to say because only I can forgive Tao. I, I'm the one she beat up. I'm the offended one. You see, you see, that's what's going on here. That's why they're so outrageous. Because it's not for Jesus to say, they think, it's not for Jesus to say, your sin is forgiven. Sin is always against God. Only God can forgive. So they're right in what they think. They're absolutely right. But the reason for their outrage is because they don't see Jesus just yet. And before we get there, before we see who Jesus is, it's worth just dwelling on this point. That only God can forgive. See, if only God can forgive us, doesn't this explain that that forgiveness is our deepest need? 
Because we've offended God. That's what sin is. It is constant, ongoing rejection, walking away from God himself. Now when you think about that, the way our culture defines sin is absolutely ridiculous. You know, so often it's, it's, it's naughty, just kind of like cheeky little things that, well, we ought not to do, but it's okay really, you know, not to worry. Doesn't, I mean, I'm sure you've heard somebody, perhaps there's somebody say, um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing this charity work for my sins. No big deal. Uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you know, that would be the punishment for your sin. Or, or take um, Slimming World. Now, look, before I go on, there's nothing wrong with Slimming World. Uh, and I should just add, I only know this because I looked it up, but there is nothing wrong with Slimming World. Anyway, uh, you're allowed, apparently, when you go into Slimming World, you're allowed between 5 and 15 sins per day. Um, that's, what, that, that's what your food is measured by. So sin, you know, becomes just this bad thing that you eat. But you're allowed some, you're allowed to sin, you know... Uh, a bit, you're allowed a certain amount. No, look, sin is against God. It's your rejection of God. It doesn't deserve a rubbish job. It deserves his wrath. And that's why we desperately need, more than anything, his forgiveness. And for us to ever think of sin is just a small action here or there that can just be brushed aside. You know, when you see a sin, you think, oh, well, doesn't matter. If you're not bothered about offending God, it simply means that you have a very, very small view of God. See, sin is against him. And so only God can forgive. So where does that put Jesus? You know, what, what are we then to make of what he just said? Well, the last thing we see this morning is that whilst the teachers of the law are right, Jesus is not blaspheming. That's the last thing we see this morning, that Jesus has authority to forgive sin. Jesus has authority to forgive sin. Now, even though the teachers of the law don't say anything, Jesus knows their thoughts, which as just as an aside, this isn't the point, just as an aside, that's quite scary, isn't it? That as we sit here, Jesus knows exactly what we're thinking in our hearts. Knowing what they think, he replies to them with two questions. Have a look at verse 8. Verse 8. Uh, immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit uh, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk? Now the key thing here is that Jesus is asking which is easier for him to say. Uh, is it easier to say what he's just said, your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say, get up and, and walk? Now on that level, in terms of him saying that, it's of course much easier for him to say your sins are forgiven. Because he can say that, and, you know, I mean, any kind of can say that, and there's no way of, of, of telling whether that's actually happened. He, he can't be proved false at that point. 
Whereas, if Jesus says to this guy, you know, you can't walk, get, get up, walk, and nothing happens, he looks like a complete fraud, he falls flat on his face. So, of course, it's much harder for Jesus to, um, uh, you know, say, uh, you're, uh, take up your mat and walk. Now, it's much he- harder for him to actually forgive sin, to, to do that, because he has to go to the cross. But here, Jesus is recognising that for him to say your sins are forgiven is a big claim and the results cannot be seen. That's why they're outraged. So what does Jesus do? Well, he says the harder thing. He shows them that he does have the authority. Let's have a look at verse 10. Uh, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying we have never seen anything like this. See the teachers of the law were right. Only God can forgive and Jesus then shows them that he is God himself. That he has the authority to forgive sin. And so you see, it's not just that we need our sins forgiven, it's that we desperately need Jesus. Now this is huge. At the time, people would have had a system for forgiveness. They had some idea that they they needed that. And what they would do is they'd make religious sacrifices. They'd go to a temple and they'd sacrifice animals. And what Jesus is saying is... Yes, that's great, but look, that system just doesn't, it's not relevant anymore because I'm here. What you need is me. Ultimately, I am the sacrifice for sin. He shows that as he goes to the cross. And as he's raised from the dead, he shows us ultimately that he does have the authority to forgive all of our sins. So we need to keep asking, we need to ask that big question again, don't we? Do we see our need of him? Do we see that we need Jesus? Let me just put that another way. Where do you go for forgiveness? You know, when you see your sin, what do you do? Maybe when you see your sin... You just seek to justify yourself. Yeah, oh, I, I, I didn't mean what I said. Or, uh, yeah, that was really bad, but it's not as bad as this person. Or maybe you, you, you think, if I do this good thing, that will cancel out my sin. God, God will forgive me because I'm doing this good thing, even though I've done this bad thing. Maybe you seek comfort. So you feel really bad about your sin, but as long as you escape to some pleasure somewhere, it just makes everything feel okay. Maybe it's busyness. You know, you just find more and more stuff to do because you simply can't face seeing the darkness of your own heart. Or maybe you just don't seek anything. Maybe you you just despair. You, know, you feel really bad, you feel so bad, you don't know what to do. 
Maybe that this morning you've never thought about this. You know, you're not a Christian. I simply need to say to you today, you need forgiveness. And you need Jesus. So please turn to him today. And you will run wonderfully receive that. Because Jesus has the authority to forgive sin. He's not someone we, we can take or leave. He's not someone we can just pick off the shelf. We desperately need him. We desperately need him. We're going to talk about this and um, have a time for discussion, um, questions. So I'll I'll, I'll grab a quick uh, coffee. If you want, if you want to talk about this, um, what you've just heard, or something that struck you, please do that on your tables. Maybe jot something down to ask uh, if if you would like to. And. if you don't want to say anything or you just want to talk about the weather, you feel free to do that. Um, but let's have a couple of minutes and then we'll have time for questions or thoughts or comments. Okay, any, any thoughts? So can you still hear me through this, Ali? Yeah, great. Can you hear me in the back? Brilliant. Uh, okay, any thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all? Anything you want to add or ask? Yeah, tell. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question. Um, so it's clear that he wants them to see uh, that he has the authority. Um, I think what's going on is, as I said, if, if, I, so if, I, if I was to come in here and say, Tao, your sins are forgiven, no one can prove that. It, it's all unseen, you know. Um, by doing this, like, 
that would have been, I, I think at the time, and, and still at the time, you, you just cannot do that. You can't, you, no one can say to somebody by their word, get up and walk when they're paralysed. That just doesn't happen. And so what, he, what, what he's doing, but the miracle proves that he is God himself. Did you see what I mean? I think he's trying to show that he, he is God, that he has the authority of God. And so he has the authority to forgive sin because only God can forgive. Does that make sense? Um, do you, is that okay? Yeah. Um, any other thoughts or comments or questions?